At the time of Moses' birth, Pharaoh had commanded all the male Hebrew children that were born to be killed. The reason is they were multiplying so fast and becoming a real threat uh, to the Egyptians. So Moses was born at a time of tremendous darkness in the land, you know, so much so that people were being killed and murdered. Um, and yet through it all, Moses emerges as a, a great, great man of, of faith and listed in Hebrews chapter 11. I want us to just be encouraged today because our children, grandchildren, are also being born into a very dark world, a world that has spiraled out of control. And we can be quite worried, and sometimes I'm, I, I do worry about my own grandchildren. How are they going to fear in such a, a difficult environment where there's, you know, sin is at a peak and abuse and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, just as God was with Moses and he was able to, to uh, fulfill God's plan for his life, so God is with our children. And even though they're raised in a dark time, I believe they can shine as bright lights and make a difference for God. You know, when the, when the darkness is greatest, sometimes the light shines the brightest. So let's believe our children are going to shine as bright lights in a dark place and have an impact of God. Not going to be overcome by the darkness, but will overcome the darkness and make a difference for God. If God is with us, uh, that's what makes all the difference. Hebrews 11, 23, by faith. Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Moses' life started with faith. He's a man of faith. Everything about Moses is faith. Uh, because they saw he was a beautiful child, they were not afraid of his, uh, the king's command. So Moses' parents put this baby, think about this, in this basket into the Nile River. I mean, the tremendous faith even to do that. And Pharaoh's uh, daughter sees the baby, takes a hold of the baby, and Moses is rescued. And so we see God watching over Moses' life and directing his life from a, a little baby, almost before he was born, you know, in his mother's womb. God was there, guiding, it's, uh, orchestrating everything so that Moses could fulfill God's plan for his life. And friends, I just want to say that's true for all of us. God is watching over us. He's been with us from our mother's womb and uh, guiding us, and I believe directing us into the direction of His will and His call and His plan for our lives. And so we have to believe, despite all that we may have gone through, that somehow God has been there, we can come through it all, and we can have a wonderful impact for God. He determined the, the, the nation you would be born in. He determined where you'd be living today. He determined your parents. He, he's orchestrating everything perfectly so you can be the person he has called you to be. But you know, the devil knew who Moses was. And he knew what Moses was going to accomplish as a great deliverer of God's people. And I believe that's one reason why the devil tried to have Moses killed. He saw the potential. He saw the man. He, he said, I've got to stop this from happening and taking place. And of course, he was unsuccessful. But one of the reasons you and I uh, face ferocious attacks of the enemy to derail us, even when we are very young, is because he knows of the impact that we can have for the kingdom of God. He knew that we would turn to Christ. He knew that we would surrender to Jesus and that we could do great damage to the devil's kingdom. And so he's targeted us. And some of us have gone through a lot of pain and struggles and, and trials and difficulties as the enemy has tried to derail us from the purposes of God. But he was not successful with Moses. He will not be successful with you because greater is he who is with us and for us than he that is in the world. 
The truth is you are marked by the enemy. You really, you need to understand that. But better still, you're marked by God. God has marked your life and he is with you to fulfill your purposes, his purposes for your life. We are more than conquerors. And I found this, that over the last two or three years, as God is helping Church Unlimited uh, to take more territory, campuses, United Kingdom beyond, all this sort of stuff, the last two or three years, the enemy's really ramped up his attack. And I've personally felt the last two, three years have been uh, more challenging in many ways than the rest of my life, you know, earlier years, even as a Christian and as a believer. And it's, it's like the enemy is aware that, you know, the impact that we are having and the greater impact we are still to have. And it's almost like he's throwing everything he can at us to derail us, to stop us, to block us, to discourage us, to disappoint us. Not just me, but you as well. And if you're finding that in your life, in some ways be encouraged because it means that we're having it, you're making a difference. We're having the, an impact and the devil is a bit stirred up about the whole thing. And so, you know, he doesn't waste his time with people who aren't doing anything. He doesn't worry about churches that are making no difference. But when a person arises that he is able to use, when a church begins to do something, then we become a target. But as I said before, if God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A former pastor said, Moses gave to God the sunrise and noonday of his life. In return, God gave him a glorious sunset. Moses gave God his best from a young age through the years. And because of that, God gave him a glorious sunset. Can I encourage you to give God your best and give him your best today? Give him your best now. Don't wait till the kids are a bit older or the mortgage is paid off or you've got that dream job or you've had your OE or whatever it might be. Give God your best today. Do it today. Don't wait one more day to giving God the very best that you can give uh, to him because then you can, in your latter years you can enjoy a glorious sunset. And, you know, sometimes we give our lives right at the end and we say, well, you know, we haven't done it during our lives. We say, God, where are you? And he might say to us, well, where were you in your sunrise? Where were you, you know, in the earlier years of your life? Let's give God our very best today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't procrastinate because tomorrow never comes. It's tomorrow and then tomorrow and then one day, one day, God, and before you know it, you're 105, and it's too late <laughs> to give God anything. When you consider the heroes of faith like Moses, we make a big mistake to assume that they had extraordinary qualities of courage, strength of body or soul, that they were uniquely gifted. I believe that most of them were not very different from you or me. I don't think they were unique people. I think they had our emotions and our feelings and our weaknesses and our failures. If you were to meet some of these people that did extraordinary feats of deliverance, and you know, part, you'd look at some and say, so you, you parted the Red Sea like, you just look like my friends. You called out fire from heaven? I reckon they're no different. One writer says he reckons some of them were even inferior to some of us, or could well have been. And so we kind of put these people in a special box as, as certain qualities and hugely gifted people. Friends, I, I think that 
All that does is diminish our faith, and I don't think it is, it is true. In fact, Moses had weaknesses. To me, it looks like he had a big problem with anger. <laughs> so he takes the, the Ten Commandments, the two tablets of stones, and, and, he, and he smashes them. I mean, written by the finger of God. It's wonder he didn't go up and fire right there and then. That God would have dealt with him, but he didn't. And then he's told to speak to the rock. Instead, he strikes it twice, probably in his anger, and he misses out on going to the promised land. Moses had weaknesses. He really did. And then he failed. When he killed that Egyptian, ends up 40 years on the backside of the desert. It's interesting, isn't it, that when God called Moses, he just argued with God. He said, no, God, I can't do this. I can't speak properly. I'm not this. I gave you excuse after excuse after excuse. So many excuses that God actually got angry with him. So Moses is no perfect saint. He's a man with struggles, I believe, like you and I have. It's interesting when you read the Bible, Jesus never stops once, I don't think, to ask a person their levels of intelligence. Like, okay, which university did you go to? Uh, what was that degree again? BA, born again. No, no. Have you got anything better than that? Have you got anything better? No, no. Oh, yeah. He didn't ask that, did he? Was it what university? Was it Harvard or was it Otago? Oh, okay. <laughs> he never stops to ask a person their ability, their strength. How many weights can you lift? <laughs> What's your emotional strength like? Their leadership, their popularity or their stability? His constant search was for faith. It really was. So 1 Corinthians 1, 26, 27, you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble accord, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Tell the person next to you that counts you in. You know, it's interesting, we disqualify ourselves all the time. We just do it. Inherently, we just do it one way or another. But God has chosen foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things that gets the rest of you in of the world to put to shame, put to shame the things which are mighty. We're all candidates for God to use us in wonderful ways, even if we have struggles and weaknesses and failures. There was a 19th century proverb put out which said, the bird with the broken pinion or wing never soars as high again. Meaning that once you've failed, or if you have too many weaknesses, low esteem, you've been abused, then you'll never attain the heights that God attended for you or what you may have experienced in the past. The, pop the proverb, though popular, is simply not true. It is not true. Let me illustrate why it's not true. Abraham, let's take Abraham for a starter. Abraham blatantly lied at least twice. So he was a liar. I don't know who knows how many other times he lied that we don't know is even told us in the Bible what other things that he did. And yet Abraham flies so high, this liar ends up being called a friend of God. And what about Jacob? Jacob was a broken pinion. Jacob was a liar, a deceiver, a cheat, a usurper. He robbed his own brother of the birthright. His behavior was terrible, to say the least. But Jacob flies so high that God has to change his name 
to be called Israel, a prince with God. And what about Rahab? Rahab's a prostitute. I mean, broken pinion over and over again. Who knows her history? Who knows her background? Who knows what she got up to? You know, you'd, everything would say, write her off. Surely, yeah, maybe she can get saved, but not much more than that. Rahab soars to heights beyond our comprehension, so much so she's listed in Hebrews 11 as one of the heroes of faith. What? Prostitute to hero of faith? Only God can do that. Only the God we serve can do that. But that's not all. She's enlisted in the genealogy of Christ. Jesus is not ashamed to have her as one of the ancestors in his bloodline. Extraordinary. But let me give you one more. I think of David. David's a murderer. He's an adulterer. He's a cheat. And he's a liar. I don't know if it gets much worse than that. And yet David soars so high with all these broken pinions and is called a man after God's own heart. Isn't that extraordinary? I hope I've just removed all your excuses of why you can't be a mighty man or a mighty woman for God. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter what you've done. God is with you. The proverb may be good for birds, but it's not for followers of Jesus. Broken pinions, past failures, weaknesses. I could give you a long list of my own, one after another, after another, after another, after another. You're looking at a broken pinion right here. In so many ways, with so many struggles, so many weaknesses that I wouldn't bore you with, but you surrender your life to Jesus. You give him your best today. And you watch what God can do. You can soar to heights that you never dreamed were possible for your life. Disqualify yourself no longer. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may, not be, may be of God and not of us. We are all clay pots, some more potty than others. But clay pots, nevertheless. What matters is not the condition of the pot, but what's in the pot. And as followers of Christ, as believers in Jesus, guess what's in your pot? There is a presence of God. There's the power of God. There's the glory of God. There's the anointing of God. And a few dents in your pot, a few cracks. Yes, some of you are crackpots. A few cracks. But a damage in the pot really doesn't matter. It's what's in the pot that counts. And maybe if there's some cracks in the pot, the glory can shine just a little bit brighter. Marked by God for his plans and in his purposes. Hebrews eleven twenty four to 25, by faith. Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. 
Moses refused. Everyone say refused. Yet Moses may have been a, a clay party, maybe in a broken pinion, but he knew how to refuse. He knew how to refuse. And friends, we all have to develop the, the strength, the anointing, and the ability to refuse when it is required. Because to fulfill God's plan for our lives, there are some things we are going to have to refuse. Moses refused position, power, and wealth to pursue God's will for his life. He could have had anything he wanted in Egypt. He had all the privileges of an Egyptian prince. But he went from being a prince to associating with God's people who were slaves. So he went from having everything and anything and you know, wealth and fame, everything he wanted in life. Gave it all up to associate with God's people and become a slave. He had to refuse. Now, I'm not saying we all have to refuse that, but in order to fulfill God's destiny, he had to make a major, significant refusal. And I think that comes to all of us somewhere along the line. There's something we have to let go, something we have to refuse in order to be all that God has called us or wants us to be. Matthew 24, verse 8 to 10. The devil took him up, Jesus, to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you. Wow. If, <laughs> it's one massive if, you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Friends, Satan will offer us the enticements of the world, not once, not twice, but over and over, until the day you go to the grave, he's going to offer you enticements of the world. So that in one way, even if it's in a minuscule way, you bow down and worship him. That you don't give God the 100% first place in your life. The ability to refuse, it needs a grace of God. It really does. It needs a strength of God. It's not easy to do. Let me give you a couple of examples. You refuse a, a job or a promotion that pays more, but it takes you away from being able to serve God fully, to, to get to church, to get your family into church. It's so easy, friends, to, to put a career, a pursuit of a career ahead of the pursuit of God. And I'm all, I'm all for promotions. I'm all for a good salary. I'm all for be a CEO. Let God, if God blesses you with that, great. But don't let the pursuit of the career take precedence over the pursuit of God. And sometimes you have to refuse some things that are so attractive, so appealing, so rewarding, but you know deep down in your heart, it's going to take you away from the highest purposes of God for your life. You know, it's easy to settle for God's second best. It's still good and it's still great, but it's second to what it could have been if you had said no. Or you refuse to marry an unbeliever and stay single a little bit long, longer. That's a, that's a tough tough refusal. But it comes to us, this kind of thing. We say, no, God, you're first in my life. You have primary place in my life. Pharaoh's daughter allowed Moses to be raised by his mother and father for maybe four to five years. Not sure how long it was, but long enough to receive into his heart the love of God, which became his absorbing passion and the guiding light of his career. Parents, can I encourage you to train and disciple your children in the ways of God in their early years? 
to pour into them the life of God at every opportunity. Because friends, giving them that is it's far more important than you know providing them with money. It's the greatest gift that you can give them. You know, some people work so hard, I've got to provide for my kids, I've got to make sure they have all the money that they need. Yeah, great. But it's not important, more important than having the love of God in their hearts to guide them and direct them through their lives. Or some parents pour everything, I've got to have my kids got to be educated, they've got to get this degree and they've got to do this, that, and the other. Yeah, do it, go for it, but not as a priority of a pouring into them the love of God. Some parents just want their kids to do good at sports. They want them to, you know, be champions at sports and they'll pour everything into sport and go for it. Good for you. I mean, I want it to be an all black. And I let it go. Steve Hansen still rings me most weeks. But I put God first. They'll never get me. They want me to be hooker. <laughs> Some parents, it's all that matters. My kid's got to do good in sport. Good in sport. Well, good. Do good in sport. But do better in God. Give God your best. That's the thing. That's the, the, the most wonderful thing you can do for your children. Give them the best chance at life is train them in the ways of God. That means you're going to have to refuse some things to do that well and to do it properly. Moses refused. Then Moses refused the pleasures of sin. As Pharaoh's grandson, he could have had any pleasure with full immunity. Imagine that. He could have done anything he wanted to. But he made a decision to refuse anything that would hinder God's call. It's called the passing pleasures of sin. Don't ever tell anyone pleasure, sin is not pleasurable. I mean, it is. Pleasure is, but it's passing. In other words, it doesn't last, and it doesn't satisfy, and it's not worth it. Tell the person next to you, it's not worth it. That may be the word of the Lord for some people right here now. Yeah, it's, not, it's not worth it. Yeah, there's some pleasure in it, but it's not worth it. Every one of us faces crucial moments of choice and decision. They're like forks in the road. And one road leads as a narrow road that leads to life. The other is a broad road that leads to destruction. Forks in the road. They're going to come to all of us. And here's my encouragement and advice to you today. Make your decisions. Determine your standards and your principles now before you get to the fork in the road. Because once you get to the fork in the road, sometimes the enticement is so great, it's too, too late to make a decision what your principles and what your standards are. So you get invited, your best friends are all saying, hey, come on, let's all go and watch this X-rated movie. And they're all going and you're standing at the fork in the road. You need to have made your decision of your standards and your principles that you do not go to X-rated or R18 movies or whatever it might be, that you have set a limit of how far you'll go. Made your decision beforehand of what's going to go on or what you're going to do in your life. Or maybe an attractive, non-Christian man or a, or a handsome woman or a handsome woman or man or woman, whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about? That handsome woman, that, an attractive or a handsome man or attractive woman turns up, you know, and they're interested in you and you're at this crucial fork in the road. My question is, have you made your decision? You might say, I'm already married. Hey, don't be fooled. You can be married and they're still going to turn up. Have you made your decision? 
that you're not going down that road. You're not, and so you, you don't have to pray about it. Some say, oh, I prayed and God said go. No, no, no. He says, go to the prayer room and do some fasting. That's what he actually said. Make your decisions now. Your principles, your standards. So it's not up for grabs, and you're not up for grabs. You've already decided. After 40 years in the desert where Moses drew near to God, he returned to Egypt to deliver his people from bondage. Moses left Egypt looking like a complete failure. But he returned a mighty deliverer. Listen well. Deserts often produce mighty deliverers. Don't despise the desert that you might be in right now. Because God is at work. And God can develop in you the qualities of a deliverer. Delivering people around you from being lost in sin and in darkness. Reaching people for Christ, delivering others who are in bondage, however it might be. They say that de delays reveal our hearts. There's a great quote by Henry Nguyen who calls solitude the furnace of transformation. When you find yourself alone in that desert, you may be surrounded by people, but you're alone. It's dark, it's frightening, it's difficult. Let it be the furnace of transformation. Let it change your life and make you all that God has called you to be. Moses went through the desert. David went through the desert. Joseph went through the desert. Paul lived in a desert. Jesus went through the desert. Almighty deliverers. By faith, Hebrews eleven twenty seven, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Forty years on the backside of the desert, Moses established a strong relationship with God. I'm not saying he didn't have it before, but certainly he had it then. When we have a strong relationship with God, we can overcome any trial that is thrown at us. Those who fail in trials are usually the, or get better are usually those who have neglected maintaining a close walk with God. They've neglected the daily prayer, daily time in the Word, getting to church, serving, giving, all of those things. I've seen people go through extraordinary difficult trials and come out the most wonderful people closer to God. I've seen others go through half the trial of that person. They come out bitter and twisted and walk away from God. What was the difference? The trial was less. The difference was a relationship with God. Develop your relationship now before you strike the trial. Because then it's too late to get close to God. Because you can't get close to God in a day. It's a lifelong pursuit of the Almighty. But if you will do that, you'll get through anything that life will throw at you. Hebrews eleven twenty nine by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Passing through the Red Sea is a type of water baptism. Men, everyone, make sure you obey God by getting water baptized. It's a step of obedience to God. You don't want to live in disobedience. Be obedient to God. We have a water baptism next week. It is a vital foundation. I can't encourage you enough. I got saved and water baptized, and wow, so awesome. Uh, it's a vital step, and it's a key to a victorious Christian life. 
you'll find that things will change in your life. Seriously, you may be battling with stuff. It will change when you go through the waters of baptism. Not everything, but some things will change. As I wrap it up, it's possible that Moses had bouts of depression. Why do I say that? Well, with all the huge battles he faced, he killed an Egyptian, he failed, he ran for his life, and he's 40 years in the backside of the desert. Who reckoned that would be enough to get down a little? I reckon there's every possibility. And if you're not convinced about Moses, why don't we go to David? If you read the Psalms, David suffered a lot of emotional distress. There's no question about it. He said, oh, my soul, why are you cast down within me for all the world to read? And that's not once. You read his Psalms over and over again. The man is in distress. He's troubled. He's bothered. He's worried. He's hassled. It's all there. Maybe you disqualify yourself today from God using you because you struggle with depression or anxiety or mental health. At least 20% of men, women, and teenagers are experiencing ongoing psychological distress. One in five here today, if you look along your row, at least two people are struggling with mental health. I noticed no one looked left or right. (laughs) So that means in Church Unlimited alone, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with mental health issues. And quite a few of those, including men, are on antidepressants. And there's nothing wrong with antidepressants. If you're sick, you need medication. And it can help people. I've seen it help people incredibly. New Zealand has among the... New Zealand has a major problem and has among the highest suicide rates in the OECD. And if I'm talking to you this morning, today, it's not something to be ashamed of or even to hide. There is no condemnation from this pulpit. There is only love and compassion and kindness. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay, to struggle with some of these issues. And if you're struggling with mental health, Today, can I please urge you and encourage you to talk to a trusted friend or to your GP. To talk is not as scary as you think. Research tells us that. And talking really, really helps a lot. Greg Boyd, the TV presenter, we know committed suicide recently. Some articles would suggest he he didn't get the help or reach out for the help, maybe. Another pastor in the USA just last week also took his life. Can I just give you a few tips? I know I'm no expert on this, but I want to say a couple of things. If you know someone who's struggling with depression or mental health, validate their feelings. Don't invalidate them because what they feel is real to them. It's it's what they're struggling with. And the last thing you want to do, seriously, is tell them to pull up their socks, read their Bible, and pray. Maybe they need to do that but that's going to make them feel worse because maybe they haven't been praying. They think, oh, well, I deserve all this. It's not going to help them. Let God lead them to that. Secondly, don't be judgmental. 
Don't judge people. You don't, you don't know what they've been through. You've never walked in their shoes. You have no idea the pain, the strain, the agony, the hurt, the abuse, the rejection, the loneliness the, that they have faced. So let's not judge. Instead of judging them, let's just love them. Let's love people. Do what you can to love them. And also, don't try and fix the problem. They just need someone to talk to who will listen to them. If they ask you for advice, you better be very careful what you say. But you can ask them if you can help them in any way. Mental issue is a very real issue. Well, mental health is a very real issue in every church in New Zealand and probably on the planet. It cannot be ignored. It needs to be addressed. So you need to know at a moment's notice who or where you can refer people to. And there's a whole list. You can get a copy from the, ask for a request a copy from the church office, but it's readily available. Just go online. There's a whole lot of places. Just, just be aware. Just have it near you somewhere so you don't have to spend three days finding out where to send someone for help if you can't help them yourself. And then hug someone you love. Hug is about human warmth. It's about love. It's about care. And it's about support. Before we close our service today, we're going to offer all men in this place a hug if they want it. Woman, sorry. <laughs> You'll have to wait for another day. Let Moses inspire our lives today. There's so much. I've just touched the tip of the iceberg on Moses. There's books written, probably encyclopedias on his life. But let it inspire you that through faith you can have an impact for God regardless of your struggles or your past or your history or your failures. Learn to refuse. Refuse the temptations of the worldly offers and of sin. Maintain a close walk with God. Serve God today. Love God today. With that, you can overcome every trial and ask for help if you need it. Happy Father's Day. Go and hug someone you love. Amen.